Welcome back to another edition of the Para Podcast. In this edition of the Para Podcast, we'll wrap up all the round seven action in the junior reps and all the fourth round action in the top three grades. Um, to start us off, we'll, uh, I've got I'm here with Bertie. Hey, how's it going? Forty. Evening, fellas. And Tam. Yeah. All right, well, let's get straight into the news. Now, uh, the the crime of this century, as reported by Buzz Rothfield, um, I can reveal last Monday night, three Parramatta players, Corey Norman, Michael Jennings, Nathan Brown, were out on the town, had too many drinks in the rocks. The next morning they had an email from a patron at the hotel saying they behaved poorly, they were obnoxious, and they swore. Um, so, you know, um, I think only a year on the sideline is the appropriate response to this. Cricket, Cricket Australia have set the guidelines for the NRL, clearly. But, um, <laughs> the, the, the can we, can we talk on, about... Sorry. Sorry. There's no news on whether or not any uh, uh, sandpaper was involved, unfortunately. You know, this, this bloke writes an, writes an email into the club um, saying that the players are drinking on a Monday night, how dare they, and swearing. I've, I don't think I've ever sworn in my... or heard anybody swear in my entire life. Um, Definitely not he, at a pub. Yeah, oh, God, no. Um, what's he doing down at the pub on a Monday? You know, I, I assume he'd have a Monday, Monday to Friday job. Um, what's he doing down there, I wonder? Yes, so anyway, the, it's it's been reported um, to Parramatta Eels. They didn't even see fit to uh, involve the Integrity Commission. Um, now, uh, I know there's some frustrated fans out there saying, well, how, how dare they go out and drink when their performance on the field haven't been great. But, you know, um, anybody with their working life realises you've got to take a step back and take a break at time if you just uh, fully surround yourself with work, which which it is. Footy is their job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, you do your head in. It, it's a... I mean, I understand why fans would look at it as a bad... I mean, use a political term, optics, after, you know, a really bad start to the season. But it is not even a storm in a teacup. You know, these are, these are blokes that have every right to be out there and having a reasonable night out, you know, and if that means having a couple of drinks out at the rocks, I've got no issues with that. Get back to them when they're doing something really stupid, like you see other players, you know, other players in other codes in the NRL as well doing. It's a non-story. Yes, especially on the back of the news of a certain Canberra race exactly. exactly. That that is coming out the same day. Exactly, Hamish, but the difference in jerseys, it's what, what makes the headline, doesn't it? Um, and right, I will, and I will on, say this, I don't know if everyone caught it, but there was a little quip on Twitter about Bill Harrigan calling Phil Rothfield out on, um, was it Controversy Corner? Is that what it's called? I yeah, don't know. it was on yeah. um, that other show, what it's called. I, I know what it was called, but it was great because Bill Harrigan <laughs> said to Rothfield, to his face point blank, that he's a liar and makes shit up. About time someone Chalk one up for Hollywood Harrigan there, he's got my vote. Yep, 100%. <laughs> Good on you, Bill. I didn't like you when you were a referee, but I like you now. <laughs> He's one of the good ones now. He's put the whistle away. All right. Now, on to the next uh, bit of news, which is just the injury update, which there isn't much change after the weekend, even though Avara and Hoffman both seem to be carrying um, some injuries throughout that game. 
But as uh, the injury report came out today with the team list, Bevan French, shoulder, round six. Greg Lillessiwell, ankle, round seven. Clint Gutherson, knee, round eight. Although there is a little bit of word around the traps that he might be able to make it back for round six. Um, he won't be up for this uh, match against the Panthers because he's not in the 21 squad, although that hasn't seen... Um, other teams have certainly got around that. This Just got to get, get, get the dispensation card free. Yeah, exactly. Um, and Jared Hayne with a quad slash hip flex around nine. Brack Takaragi eye sock around ten. Although that might move up to round eight because he didn't require surgery. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up the news. Now let's get into the reviews. Um, so first, we'll hit up the first grade, which saw thirty to the Wests Tigers and twenty to the Eels. Uh, with Smith, uh, George Jennings, Hoffman and other are all bagging tries. Uh, they certainly put on a comeback in the second half after a dreadful performance between the 10 and the fi- and the 50th minutes. Um, but some poor kicking from the sideline plus, you know, another performance where they've just dropped their heads on the back of, you know, some adversity um, wasn't enough to get home in the end. Where did, I want before we get into the the nitty gritty of the the dissection of this game, where the hell did Twee Lower here get his kicking boots from this week? The, oh, yeah, the, I tell you the what. prick the prick is a two from six kicker most weeks, and he what he missed one from the sideline. He was just yeah, nailing them everywhere. Uh, <laughs> that's sort of that's like the cherry on top of where we're at right now after going on four. Is that Twee Lower here is quite literally sticking the boot in off the tee. Yeah, and usually um, when he was at the Warriors, you could expect. One to two drop catches. He did drop one. That um, sometimes they call a knock on. Sometimes they don't. Yeah, well, that that, that went that went down and back twice. Yeah, once yeah. on the drop um, and then in the tackle. He's, he's usually I do think they were both two. backwards though. The, yeah. the initial one had me a little bit iffy because they've called a direct drop down a knock on most of this season, and it was drop down initially, then backwards with the momentum. So that that's been called knock on more times than it hasn't this year, which left me a little bit miffed, but less so than the Mitch Moses supposed knock on. So the yes, well, the officiating is 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 still the minor issue and where we're where we're at form wise. But I'll, I'll be damned if it's not a huge fawn on our side right now when teams are miraculously disciplined against us and obvious knock-ons and forward passes are getting missed on a like almost set by set basis against us. Uh, yeah, I wish just, we could get some of these you know eighteen fifteen penalty counts rather than eight three that we had on the weekend. Well, it was eight three Hamish. And one penalty was for George Jennings being taken out, not in the air, but not, not playing at the ball because the ball the kick had bounced at that time. So you're actually eligible to be taken out in the air as a defender, as weird as that is. One penalty was for an offensive play-the-ball error late in the game by the uh, Tigers. which leaves Nagama, I think it was. That's right, which leaves a single defensive penalty. In 80 minutes, in a time where there is an unprecedented crackdown on the ruck and offside markings, they had one defensive penalty in 80 minutes. So and just, just, di- just that, digest that. that. That, that team gave away 18 penalties, which was then a record against the Storm not two weeks ago. Um, and I think at least over half of them were inside 10 penalties. And sure, the Storm had plenty of ball on their line. Um, but still, it, it it's, it's just that dichotomy between the two, you know. How can one team be pinged for being so undisciplined while another team that was, up until this round, the most undisciplined team in the competition... Um, I have a, it, it have a near queen like, sheet, yeah. a near queen sheet, and it's just like Cronulla. 
Cronulla gave away, what was it, six or seven penalties against us in the end once we sort of got our, our last few equalisers after it's a flawless first, first half. Minutes. And against, I'm just pulling it up now, against uh, Melbourne, where is it? Where is my penalties? They scored 18. They, they gave, 18 they gave away 14 penalties against Melbourne who gave away 19 penalties in reply. Like, these teams go from one week, not even one week, they are consistently ill-disciplined across the course of a month of football, then come against us and miraculously turn it around for one week, then go back to being ill-disciplined in the, the following week. It just... There, there isn't... Like, I don't want to phrase it as if there's like some sort of conspiracy against Parramatta. Because there isn't... like They're not trying to hold us down. It's not like a the power against Parramatta or anything. But there is obviously a, a sort of... A bias or a, a perspective that goes into the, the, the pre-game homework that referees do that colours how they call our games, which leads to our ruck getting called differently and whether it's because they perceive us to be a weak team around the ruck or they perceive us to be serial offenders that you know that sort of cheat well, cheat you know what i mean when i say cheat that cheat on the onside more than any other team i, I don't know i don't know what the answer is but there is a, definitely an issue in as hamish put in the dichotomy of how these teams are officiated on a weekly basis all right well let's just jump into some more stats so again the Eels on, the, and these are coming from NRL.com, so um, you know, take it with a grain of salt, depending on where you get your stats from. Um, but uh, the most important uh, stat, in which I think uh, forty, you've got your own to go on for the yeah, I'll, I'll four drop them after up till. Um, but again, losing the possession stakes, forty-two to fifty-eight percent, and it was sixty-five thirty-five in the first half. The West Tigers with thirty minutes and fifty-two seconds in. Uh, time in possession with us only 22 and 21 seconds. Uh, completion rate 77%, which, you know, isn't worst um, considering it's round four. For a West long... Tigers almost flawless with 88%. And I was so going to say, for, for a long portion of that first half, we were actually hovering near 90% while the Tigers were like mid-90s in the completion rate. So for, for a long chunk of that opening exchanges, despite a lack of possession, we were actually getting for our sets. Um, now, again, which has been an alarming statistic for us over the first four rounds, seven line breaks to three. Um, that middle defence just needs to be so much better than what it has been. Um, 39 tackle breaks to 34. Kick metres, 197 to 178. Now, in um, the defensive stakes, uh, tackle efficiency percentage, 87.5 to Tigers, 85.3. But, again making an extra 60 tackles, 358 to 291, uh, an extra five missed tackles, um, and then the all-important negative plays, nine errors to Tigers four, and eight penalties to three. So on the back of that, Forty, did you want to chime in with your stats that you had um, from your um, whiskey music? Yeah, so for this week's whiskey music, I sort of went with a different tact and, and took a, a broader strokes approach to our season to date and was looking at the different factors that were contributing to our losses and what we can do to rectify them. And when I was looking at the most significant factors, um, aside from obviously attitude and effort levels, which have been inconsistent across the first four weeks, just some of the fundamentals have really like shot us in the foot or feet, as it were. Um, even when you factor in the Penrith game, which was relatively even when it comes to possession, the penalty count and tackles, uh, the the aggregate sort of measures across the first month of football are really alarming. Uh, in, against Penrith, we had 48% of possession. Uh, we lost the penalty count 8 to 10, and we made 22 more tackles, 339 to 315. Uh, against 
uh, round two was against Manly, which was by far our worst loss. We had 31% possession. Uh, we lost the penalty count 10 to 12, and we made a, a monstrous 136 extra tackles in that 40-degree heat, and uh, which led to a, a, tack, a tackle count of 30, 341 to 205. Uh, in round three against Cronulla, we still only managed 41% possession. Uh, we lost the penalty count 6-9, and we made another 89 extra tackles against our opposition, uh, 395 to 306. And just this week against the West Tigers, 42% possession, uh, lost the penalty count 3-8, to eight, and we made six, uh, 67 extra tackles, 358 to 291. So on a very fundamental level, we're giving ourselves not only no chance to win, but we're, we're actually laying the platform to get hammered. Uh, we are, on aggregate, giving our opponent 59.5% possession of the ball um, in any given game. There's a, a 3.0 penalty differential, and... The, probably the most alarming percent, um, the most alarming stat next to that possession is that we're making 78.5 extra tackles every week when you average it out, which is over 13 sets. 13 sets of defense that we're like that full sets, not half sets, full sets of defense that we're doing, and it's little wonder that we're we're we appear to be running out of gas and that we look to be unfit because when you're defending that much with that much running of play for the opposition, you're going to have nothing left in the tank. Yeah, and um, I, th- I think it shows in someone like uh, Tep's stats in particular. You look at um, his stats this week. I think he made 42 tackles, the team high, um, but only ran for 40 metres. Uh, That's because he was on the field when we didn't have the ball. Like, we were just giving the ball away. And then you compare that to someone like Tony Williams, who made uh, 115 metres, nine runs, but only five tackles. But that's when we had all the ball. That's, that so. is why it is extremely important to not box score scout, which is an NFL term, but it applies to NRL just as much. Don't look at the stats in isolation because they never give you the full story. Uh, you know, Obviously, Tony Williams had a, had a very profound impact on the game in that final quarter, but you can't qualify those stats without looking at the game tape and understanding the context of why someone like Tepai Maroa only had those five runs for 40 metres, whatever it was, but made 40 tackles. So it, it's sometimes stats, well, what, what is it saying? Uh, figures don't lie, but liars figure. So you can you can twist those numbers any way you want when you look at them without any context. And it's important to have that context. And ov- obviously our stats aren't good in a general sense because of how badly we're going. But it is important to to make sure you look at the tape. Um, and on, on, on that sort of note, uh, Maelstrom made a really interesting post on Reddit which was um, sort of not laying into a fellow fan, but pointing out some of the interesting stats that came out of the um, the carnage on Monday in that despite, uh, what was it, a 42% possession rate, Parramatta had 40 more post-contact metres than the Tigers. We had 17 less runs, but only 113 less run metres. Our average set distance was, average set distance was um, almost 9 metres higher than the Tigers. Uh, we made 57 more tackles but and 5 more errors, but with that penalty differential of of negative five, we're actually, you know, still right in the mix on a sort of error to penalty versus possession rate. So in in a way, the there was a, a very slight turning of the corner despite a lot of the other issues there. But geez, we're still a long way off the um off the pace, which is the Dragons, which if you don't mind me just going on for a little bit longer, when you look at them on an aggregate basis versus us, they're four and oh, we're 0 and four. Their average possession rate across the first four rounds is nearly fifty five percent. They've got an average penalty differential average penalty differential of positive 
and perhaps most telling is that they're averaging 50 less tackles exactly than their opposition on a game-to-game basis. So you, you know, no wonder that their forward pack is steamrolling over everyone and their backs and halves are doing whatever they want because they are absolutely controlling the fundamental area, uh, fundamental facets of the game and the rest of it sort of plays out from there. One thing I noticed about us in the first four weeks is our positioning for our back three is uh, very poor. And it was with, you know, Bevan French and, you know, it's our wingers like, how many times do we see the opposition kick the ball and a fine grass, you know, probably eight times out of ten. And a, an example was Will Smith, he could have put the ball um, ten metres out or even, you know, retain it by then. But he let it bounce, kept bouncing, and then he realised it wasn't going to bounce over. That, that was a really, I know exactly which example you're talking yeah. about in the first half. That was really bad. And, it's, and it was the same thing with Manly. Like, Cherry Evers was having a field day. He was kicking it in behind. And it wasn't like... It's not like we're defending on our line and it's fine in the grass. We're talking about 30, 40 metres out and they're fine in the grass and we have to track back and get the ball. It's just positioning, you know, poor positioning. Which, Bevin, so. the, the, in, the inverse of that is an important issue too in that where is the long kicking game of uh, Corey Norman and Mitchell Moses gone? We were winning games last year almost purely on the basis of their kicking game. Our second fixture against the Dragons was won almost single-handedly off Corey Norman's boot. He pinned them back inside their 10-meter mark almost every set with you know those laser-focused ki- kicks that he sort of drove low and flat and would always find the carpet behind the winger and the fullback. And if it wasn't a 40-20, it was going to be marked out within 10 meters anyway. It, it, I don't know what what's happening, but there is no direction on our fifth tackle options. We either put um, up... Sorry, mate, you go. Just going back on Birdie saying, you know, uh, opposition finding grass against us. Um, for the opening rounds, I'm not a fan of Kirisomi uh, on the wing. Um, I don't think he's a winger. And that I think that was a big reason. Oh, not not a big reason, but a reason why, on his side of the field, why kicks were finding the grass is because he's, he's too big as a winger. Um I actually, I'm not a fan of him in the centres either for, for first grade at the moment. Um, for his size, I don't yeah, think he provides... The, 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 tiger, the Tiger certainly exploited some of his defensive issues on that yeah. left edge. Um, I think once... You know, you, you, you want to you keep winning, but once we get um, Gutherson French back, I think the back three of um, Gutherson French and George Jennings um, would be a very good one. You've got the speed of uh, French to get back there He's a good footballer. He knows when to drop back. Um, George looks like a good winger. He rucks the ball that well. And Gutherson's Mr. Fitness Freak, so he can cover the backfield um, really well. Obviously, we don't want to talk about... Um, you, don't, you, don't want to, you don't want to wait for them. But in saying that, the players that we have in the back three, I, I don't think they are our, our first choice. Yeah, Guff, Guffo is, is a very significant loss, and it becomes more apparent after each round that plays out. There was a moment in the second half on Monday where Kenny Edwards, who you know busted his ass in offense, he, he'd had some issues in defense, but so did most of the team. He made that half break down the left edge, and he sort of stood there for a good two seconds looking for someone to offload to, and there, there was just no one there. And he ended up throwing the offload, and it was in the end a bad option. We lost the ball, but he, he'd made like a, a semi break, and there was just no one pushing up. And you know that if Quentin Gufferson was in the team, he's there. He's he's there, and it's a try. Or he's there, and we've gone down to the try line. It's apparently maybe it's ten minutes in the bin for the Tigers. Just we, and once again, that lack of cohesiveness speaks towards the the lack of confidence is in the team after you know getting their asses kicked three and four weeks in a row now. So a lot of these issues are, are being exacerbated by that confidence 
problem, which you would have hoped was a, a thing of the past after the season they'd had in 2017. But obviously, you know, when, you, when you're losing that badly, you do start to question yourself and question the systems that had been working for you previously for a, a good two or three years. And, you know, it's not like much has changed, even with the ruck interpretations. It's just that we've gone away from the strengths of our own identity that we'd forged under Brad Arthur. And, you know, when we're not, we're not attacking directly through the middle to open up the edges. And then when we do go to the edges, we're not using our back rowers to, to set the edge and keep that, that interior defense from sliding across and cheating on those outside players. You know, Michael Jennings and even Kiarostomi Avaa and Jared Hayne when they were playing out the centers aren't getting any good ball of space because the opposition interior defense can just come across and eat them up. Regarding confidence, do you think we are a mentally weak side because... I can't find. I find it hard to believe we're lacking confidence after two, you know, the first two weeks. You know, they were bad it's, performances. But it, it's it's a fair question, Bertie. I, I thought that we, you know, we'd shaken that monkey off our back after what we went through in 2016 to to forge our identity, and then what we did in 2017 to sort of announce ourselves to the NRL. But now here we are, 0 and 4, and there's some, you know, just really fundamental issues with the team, and they haven't risen to the challenge that's been thrown to them both by their coach and their fan base. Well, I think, Bertie, um, at the moment, yes, I would um, say that we are. And the reason being is when we are giving away penalties, you can see the body language. It's shoulders slump, heads down, and then we concede some really soft tries. There were some disgraceful um, defensive yeah. work on our the, goal line yesterday between the, that the Kevin Aguama try. Mark. That Kevin Aguama try where three guys overshot him and went into touch. And you saw him sit up, and he almost couldn't believe his luck. He smiled. And then he just reaches out and taps the ball down. Like, that that should have been bundled out into touch, 10-meter ball for 10-meter scrum for the Eels. And even the Corey Thompson try, which I know was controversial because of the, the whole interaction between the sideline and the corner post, but he shouldn't have been given the chance. It just, like, the, the lack of confidence in the man next to us on our goal line is really sort of our own undoing. We're not, we're not defending with the integrity that we showed Right, I mean, it was right through Brad Arthur's tenure at the Eels. Even when we were, you know, still basement dwellers in 2014 and 2015, we defended with integrity with the man next to you, shoulder to shoulder, inside out, working up and out. And right now, that's just, like, that has shot the pieces. It comes on the back of having no ball as well, you know, defending. I mean, I know I sound like I'm being overly negative, but that is absolutely spot on, mate. These issues had certainly been and I mentioned the word exacerbated before, but this is another factor exacerbating it. When you have 40% of the ball, you know, it's going to magnify any weakness in your team and make it look that much worse. So that that is a real issue for the Eels, is trying to get back to parity when it comes to possession rate and completion rate and and tackles. Maybe not so much penalty differential, because that seems to be another whole other realm of, of a problem that we can't control. But as far as fundamentals for possession, completion, and then obviously the tackles that flow on from the difference in possession, get back to that, get back to parity, give yourself an actual chance of winning the game. And I think, to some degree, a lot of his problems will fix themselves. And just on that last point about penalty differential, last season, I don't, maybe once or twice we might have won a penalty count, but the difference was is that we were willing to back ourselves in defence. Yeah. We were willing to, to attack with our defence. To concede the penalty errors. and be aggressive, and, that's and, right. And 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 with the possession would swing on the back of forcing errors, but this season it just seems that as soon as something isn't going our way, it's heads down. Or you know we do get some ball, and um, not I don't like singling out players, but Corey Norman, his fifth tackle options have been absolutely atrocious. Um, and yesterday it was just 
when you're under that much fatigue, under that much pressure, I can understand it, but you're a first grade 5'8", you've been in the league for how many years now, you need to get better options, even if it is a long kick and finding touch when you're 18 points down. Um, just don't give them ball on on their 40 metre line, because... That, that, that's what troubles me, us. is that you can see the tempo in the game shifting towards the opposition team, whether it's the Tigers, whether it's Manly, whether it's Cronulla, and instead of looking to slow things down, just reset, let our defensive line sort of realign itself off a scrum and, and, you know, aim up with a little bit of line speed, we choose to keep the ball in play. But not only that, we keep the ball in play by, like, the weakest means possible with a, a non-torpedo midfield bomb. Like, it, end over end, no fullback that, you know, I don't want to put the boot in the Will Smith because, he, you know, he dropped a torpedo bomb. But, you know, no, no fullbacks drop in those kicks. And, you know, counting on that just seems silly. And there's no kick chase. There's no pressure. Opposition teams are getting near halfway at the start of their sets. And, you know, you, you're becoming your own worst enemy because you're, you're completely falling into the tempo that your opposition wants. All right, well, we might wrap up first grade on that sad note. There's not too much. Unfortunately, there's nothing to be positive T, about. T-Rex T- um, was a big positive. I will say that. That he, he was... And George He showcased well. everything that was wrong with the Eels by doing everything that I wanted right. He came on, he ran hard north-south, picked out Luke Brooks, knocked him on his ass. He, he messed up one little line break where he went for the flick offload. But he, he just did good fundamental footy. Yeah, he didn't have to defend much because that's what you want to do with a weapon like T-Rex. But once he started running north-south and had the Tigers bending backwards, you could see the rest of our edge structure starting to fall into place. We could attack down the left because our right had you know knocked them back. We could go down the right even more because they were already retreating there and all of a sudden the short side option is a legitimate strategy. We're, we're, how we're using our, our edge back rowers, whether it's Manu or Kenny or Tep when he's out there because he's been everywhere in the first four weeks, whether it's prop, uh, lock or, or edge back rower, you know, it, it feels like there's no there's no uh, setup. They're not they're not looking to keep the the interior edge defense honest by you know knocking a couple of halves in their asses with you know short unders lines from their back rowers and then opening up the 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 wider options if you're sweeping fullback or your center because the opposition have to respect the short ball as an option. And and just to one more positive, George Jennings, over 150 metres. He rucked it out of our end. Um, I can't recall him having an error. Um, and, of course, scoring his uh, try uh, on the back of a T-Rex flick pass to set it all up, um, mind you. Um, that, that was a very good club debut for him. And as Ham said before, you know, uh, looking forward, um, that might be the... The, the option to have on the wing. That, that, that was almost the, the, the debut I expected of George. When you look at it in the game, it wasn't like super flashy or gaudy, but then you get back and you see the numbers, you're like, holy shit, he, he did make 15 runs for 153 metres, you know, and, and he finished as she's trying nicely. And the, um, the edge defence down the right wasn't anywhere near as much an issue as the left. It wasn't perfect, but it was better. Uh, so, yeah, it was a pleasant debut, and he's definitely done nothing to harm his chances of a a longer-term spot in that right flank. Um, I guess one other positive is, um, whilst we are in a pretty poor position, um, the other top four major contenders in Storm and Roosters are, are two and two, and then of course uh, the Cowboys look like they're going from um, loss to loss at the moment, uh, starting the season one and three. Um, so it's not 
it's not always about how you start the season, it's how you, be, how you finish it. Um, but having said that, they've got to find some form soon, um, or otherwise, uh, you know, this could be a very, very long season. Um, but as BO said in the presser last week, uh, next two games, they've got a chance to um, give us the exact same record that we started last season with if they can um, jag two wins. And, and um, as bitter as I've sounded in this podcast, it is important not to lose sight of that bigger picture. That you know, two and four is the same position as 2017, and it, you know we want, we obviously wanted a way better start given the expectations for the team, but you know you give yourself a chance to build towards something because, like you said, Hamish, it's not how you start; it's how you finish. All right, now on to some even um, worse news, if you can call it that. Uh, in the ISP, the Wests Magpies 44, Wentworthville Magpies 4. Um, completely outclassed by a team with a lot of first-grade uh, talent. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people saw this game, Foxtel, live. Um, you know, the first thing that sticks out to you is the halves at Wenny. They just, they, there's no direction from them. Um, we saw that, you know, the, the few times that uh, our Magpies got down, there, the other Magpies end, um, there was no real backline shifts. There was no penetrating runs or anything. Um, I, I didn't like Matangi and Vave's output for the game. Um, you know, they're supposed to be the experienced boys for first grade in this team. Yeah, 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 they're, they're supposed to be, you know, pushing for a first grade spot. And they, they didn't. Um, I think the only player that I did like in this game was uh, Murata near Kore. I thought. Now, what what can you do as one player in the rest of that thirteen team? There's not there's not much he can do by himself. But he made um made a good run. I think it was in the first half. He carried about three players and he ran fifteen meters, fifteen or so meters. Put on some nice shots in defence. But yeah, behind what the rest of the team was giving out, he couldn't really do much. So it's hard to it's hard to do anything in that environment. Um, yeah, if you want to talk more about this game, forty. Well, I'll say something yeah, a bit later, it's, it's, it's just endemic to everything that's a problem with Wenty and has been for what, how many years now? Uh, they, they've failed to close out games with good squads for the last two years, and now the slide is far more noticeable with you know not turning up from kickoff. So you, you look at the team, there's a lot of park footballs in there, but the question then is, why are our park footballs worse than other clubs' park footballs? Because every ISP team, to an extent, will have you know reserve, reserve graders, if you will. Uh, you know... I look at this team right now, and I mentioned it in a podcast the other week, but I look at this team, and if I'm picking names out of there, guys that have any prospective chance of playing NRL and are worth you know, a development shot, number three, Dan Akaflau, number 11, Rada Niakore, and number 13, Ray Stone. And now I love Sam Gorman. I know Ham does as well. And he, he's probably the, not probably, he is by far and away the pick of the Wenty contracted players, a bloke that plays with his hair on fire every week and is, you know, an awesome effort player. But I look at that team and, like, where where's the wing going to come from? I don't know how they beat Penrith. Well, I do know how they beat Penrith. I, I, know, I know how I, they beat Penrith. I, and, 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 Ham, and, Ham's, and Ham's going to give you the answer in a second. But, you know, how they beat Penrith is miraculous and it speaks to the talent of the guy that Ham is going to highlight in a second. But where, where's Wenty's next wing coming from? I don't know. Uh, why is our our primary development vehicle for senior football in this state? I don't know. Uh, it, it is something that we need to fix, and we need to fix fast because there is no reason to promote any talented ISP, ISP, Jersey flag player into this team because you are only going to hurt the development. 
that that is where we're at right now. When you're getting drummed 40 and 50 points a week, and you don't look like a team that has played together more than once a season, you know there there is no point in promoting prom, promising prospects. And we've got plenty of them in the Jersey Flake. That is what really grinds my gears. Is that I go for that Jersey Flake team, and I could pick five or six guys that even with all the injuries they've got are worth a shot in ISP right now this week. You look at the back line. Hayes, Dunster, and Ethan Parry are worth a shot in the back line, uh, on the wing. Tui Afawalo could play the centres. Noel Akafawalo could play the centres in ISP. Dylan Brown could play in the halves. Joe Tapari, if there was an injury cloud over him, could be playing in the ISP in the halves alongside Dylan Brown. In the forward pack, you've got guys like Celeste Fayenga, who's been injured for the last few weeks. He could play. There are so many kids I would be looking to play in the ISP right now, but I, I cannot in good faith promote them because this is what they're going to come into. A team that doesn't look like they've trained together. A team that's going to get hammered by another 50 points this week against Blackdown. Well, you've uh, you've given me two segues there um, about the player. Um, he f- did start off the year playing uh, ISP for Wentworthville and has now dropped back to the 20s, and that's uh, Reed Marnie, also known as Cash Marnie. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, you look at this team that played on the weekend against uh, the West's Magpies, and then you go back and look at the team that played round one against the Panthers. There's not re- much real difference. You know, you've got... Um, Gower played in that round one team, didn't play on the weekend, but then you had Vave and Matangi. So, you know, you can sort of say they, they, they balance each other out in the sense. And really, the only change, oh, I suppose Anthony Lane at fullback, and now you've got Nathan Malone, but even then, they're reserve graders. We're not worried about them. Um, Reed Martin was the only difference pretty much in that team, and he went out there, even in the trial matches, we, we pinpointed him in the trial matches with him having really good games. He went out there in round one and said, I'm going to win this match for this team. And that's the only game we've won so far. I, I'm not sure. You know, I've I've said it a couple of times. I've thought, it, I've thought it a couple of times. I think Reed Marnie might be the best dummy half we have at this club right now. You know, like, that, that is a big call. It is a huge call to make. But he's the only... He's the dummy half that went out there... And, you know, he was promoted. If you're a first-grade dummy half, whether it's King or Kayser, you don't go down there and kick, kick rocks. No, you own you've, the game. You've got to go out there and go, I'm going to go out there, try and win it. And for whatever reason, they haven't been able to win it. That Penrith team, basically the same one that ran out round one, I've really looked at their, their team lists, they're now 3-0 and since round one. You know? Like, yeah. And how, it's, is, how does this nine, 20, turning 20-year-old 20 hooker go out there and basically beat a team on his own. And it's worth framing your whole point that it's not only the round one game against Penrith, but in the preseason trials against North Sydney and against Newcastle, he was in the top two players on the field in both those draws. It was a 12-12 draw and a 20-20 draw or something like that in the two games. But he was either the best or the second best player for Wente in both those games. Yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to... I'm pumping his wheels up a lot here. But, you know... I th- he was he was a major reason, and it's you know looking back at it now, we can look back at round one with uh, like a not a more clear view of what's happened afterwards. But he was the reason why we won that round one game. It wasn't necessarily Nathan. Nathan Davis did a good job scoring twenty four points. He also he also let in two tries that game as well. Yeah, but you look at who was the leader in that game. You look at who brought the ball playing ability, you look at who kicked well, you look at who led the line in defence, that was Reed Marnie. 
I'm massively impressed by him. And ever since he's gone back to the 20s, we only lost that game against Newcastle. Uh, just Who being, are the form team they're of the just a, They're a very, very good team. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, this game for me really uh, furthered the point that Reid Marnie is the best dummy half we have at the club. And I'm so, I'm sorry if I've put the mockers on him. <laughs> and I'm, I know I'm going to get blood. And everyone's going to remember this. Everyone's going to yeah. tweet me saying... There's going to be Ham's, Ham's name attached to this commentary yeah. mockers for, from now on on. But yeah, Reid Reed had phenomenal 2017 in the flag. Oh, the then Holden Cup, now what what is called the Jersey flag. And it wasn't a surprise to myself or Ham that he would start the season in the ISP the way he did. Uh, there's a few questions over his size, which is always you know, understandable when you see a smaller statured player. But he defends really strongly. Uh, he's got a huge engine. And most importantly, he's got a fantastic heads-up playing style where he's always checking the markers when he gets into the dummy half. And I've seen a few accusations of him being guilty, or guilty, greedy rather, when he gets in the dummy half. And I, I can understand that too because in the 20s you often do make you do go for the big plays. But I think that in time that will sort of temper itself out as he learns the structures in first grade. But you only need to look at what Jacob Little did for the Tigers on the weekend. And he, it certainly wasn't turning the game because they were on, on top comfortably. But he eviscerated us through the middle. Yeah, he just furthered that dominance through the middle. He, and he, he, it meant that that was the difference between our comeback being you know, potentially successful and you know, where we got to within 10 points but never a real shot at you know, that miracle 20-minute comeback. All right, now on to segues into the flag. Uh, we'll, we'll save the rest for the Reed Marnie, We Love You podcast. Um, <laughs> but in the flag... The Jersey uh, segue. On on a positive note, 22 Eels, 8 to the Tigers with Afawalo, uh, Ethan Parry, uh, is it Michael Cheer? And yes. Hayes Dunstar. How, how, did you have, how did you have to clarify Michael Cheer? What part Sorry, of Michael I, Cheer is hard to read? <laughs> I think you no, just no, got no, I only down. had his last <laughs> name. <sorry. laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just te- I'm just teasing you after the McElrick um, saga. <laughs> <laughs> um, enough puns with names this week, okay. Um, Brown, three from four in the kicking department. Good win for the flag. Yeah, um, we didn't get out to this game because we were attending the district reps and unfortunately there was a major schedule clash between the games at Belmore in the flag, uh, flag the mats and the ball, and then at Liverpool with the Hillier Oval game uh, against the West Tigers. There are the West Tigers in that grade. It's the Wests in ISP. Uh but from the report I got is that it wasn't a pretty game, but the defensive uh, showcasing was fantastic. Uh, they defended long runs of possession on their goal line and only conceded eight points. And uh, they, they certainly weren't pretty, but when you get to 22-8 and you've defended well, that's a really good foundational win to build upon. All right, now on to a scoreline that didn't flatter the boys. SG Ball, 60 to the dogs, for the Eels. Where's it all gone wrong? Well, you you go, Hamish. I've got my comments after. You go. <laughs> um, this one's hard to pinpoint. We tried to um, change the team up around team up a little a bit this week. We uh, started, I think it was Tavita Masama at fullback. We had JP Nora playing in the halves. Um, Penny Tohi play started in dummy half. Um, where's it going wrong? Um, talent, I think. I think. The number one reason is talent. You look at um, the players, was, well, not who we're supposed to have, but who could be playing there, uh, Dylan Brown. Um, he'd had a massive spark, you know, just confidence, experience, um, attack, defense. 
you know, I, I'm I mean, not sure the, if, I'm, the kid, I don't the think kid he, was arguably the best player in the under twenties at seventeen years of age last year in the stretch of games he played. And, yeah, you know, um, he, I'm not and, sure if he's fifty six points worth, but you go pretty close. Um, Kyle Schneider controlling the ruck. Um, you know, as much as Penny Tohi and Jaden Yates, as as much as Jaden um, brings enthusiasm to the team, uh, neither are even close to what Kyle brings around the ruck. Uh, again, same thing: attack, leadership, defence, experience in the team. Um, Bailey Biondiodo, he's still contracted to the Eels. Uh, he's another half that we could have had. Um, really good kicking game. Um, would have only been 17, but unfortunately he's this year playing for the Northern Pride up in the, I think it's the Mount Meninga. He, he is, to clarify, he is a Queensland boy that came came to us and, and spent the, because of the abbreviated season that the Mats play and the ball play, he, he stayed with us for the season and then went back home, I believe. But yeah. But yeah, he, um, outside of talent, um, they're just not, they're just not, it's like first grade, they're not playing for each other. Um Against the dogs, they there was too many times they just dropped the ball and then um, their fullback was good. Um, Tyrone Harding, I think his name was. Um, he had a good game there. Dummy half, I'm not too sure of his name. Um, those two just they carved us up. Um, we had no response to those two, and you know, unfortunately for uh, Dave Hollis, uh, has been going really well into this game. Start, he was um, promoted to the starting thirteen and caught the the. the Dropped as easy. Dropped two balls. That offensive, offensive play. The ball penalty. Dropped two balls. Yeah, it was that sort of day for the guy that's been arguably the best eel across the last month of playing the ball. And um, Brent Barnes uh, dropped a couple, and he'd only just come into the team. So, um, yeah, it's just I, I just think they're they're lacking confidence. They're lacking a, a fair chunk of talent. Let's let's not forget that there's a lot of players. A lot of very good players injured at the moment or miss or not um, currently playing for the club that they are missing. And, um, you know, at this age, two, even maybe even three above average players makes a huge Yeah, well, they'll have a chance to make the eight next week, but they either need a win or to limit a loss and for Manly to... To lose as well. Before before we move on, just another player I want to throw out there that's probably been a sneaky big loss to the team is Jed Edwards, who was would have been the second string hooker in this grade. But much like Bailey Biondiotto, uh, circumstances outside his control with the family led to him being outside of our playing catchment this year for the uh, uh, district reps. But uh, he'll be one that hopefully returns to the fold next year and gives us another option uh, moving forwards in the juniors at hooker. And on to the Harold Matthews, which saw. Um, a surprise loss to the Eels, 10 to the Dogs, 16. What happened there? Yeah, this one was a sort of perfect storm. Uh, we didn't start the game as clinically as we have in the past. Uh, refereeing was pretty ordinary. There was once again that this was a bit of a translation of first grade where a lot of stuff that was getting caught against us was correct, but it wasn't necessarily being caught both ways. Uh, we sort of got hammered by a lopsided penalty count uh, went into our shells a bit, didn't complete our sets the way we have been uh, for most of the season. Dogs got really fired up for this game. You could see it from the outset. Um, they put on a few tries. Once we did score late in the piece, we like we roared to life. We just owned every facet of the game for the next 10 minutes until a really like one of those 50-50 calls when Viliami Penasini was trying to clear the um, the red zone for us off a, the, the the run after a kick return, and the ball squirrelled out. 
with you know three or four defenders on him, and the referee called play on, knock like loose carry, and uh, from that following set they scored. Didn't they Hamish? Am I right in recording this? Um, yeah, I think they're full backs. Yeah, and that and that sort of set the um, set the game outside of our reach uh, because they would then get a penalty to to take it to a pretty handy weed, and we were chasing that desperation try to lock the scores up with a conversion and there's no extra time and we just couldn't get it. Yeah, and I thought our, um, our, our ruck defence in this game was a bit soft. Uh, their uh, hooker, Danny Gantus, I'm not sure if I've said his name correctly, uh, nuggety dummy half sort of thing, but, you know, he just, he um, he played really well. And he took hurt. he took full advantage of Caleb Tohi's sim-binning for a, a little a little Malay, Malay fracas to score the opening try and sort of assert momentum in the game towards the dogs. And Tohi, to his credit, Tohi returned and played with his hair on fire. He was easily our best on the field, I thought, that day. If you if you sort of take away the fact that he hurt the team by getting binned, when he came back on, he was just untouchable almost. He scored a fantastic try through the middle and was, you know, knocking guys on their asses through the, through the ruck with his carries. And one last bit of bad news before we head on to some positives, uh, which is the women's premiership. Um, Wentworthville nil to the Sharks 108. Um, so this is what happens when you have a team full, <laughs> um, packed full of Australian Dillaroos going up a uh, very inexperienced Wentworthville team who are playing, a lot of them playing their first um, yeah. year. Senior grade. Senior yeah, grade yeah I, I think I read somewhere, I think it might have been on League Unlimited, um, the Wenty team, like this is the first year that Wenty have ever put a women's team into any competition. There must have been smaller competitions. Um, I was unsure about, but yeah, the Sharks, obviously, is full experience. Um, you don't score 108 points if you don't have talent, and our team obviously played poor. Um, so, you know, congratulations to them for I, scoring 108 the, points. The, in the, the possession rate in that game must have been, like, we're talking almost in the teens. That, yeah. like... And I, once again, we, we mentioned this. This is a learning process for these newer clubs to this system. They're going to get hammered, and it, it's an unfortunate reality. You just got to pick yourself up and then learn and improve yourself, better yourself week by week, uh, month by month, season by season. So the and we we, we forecasted the the magnitude of this loss. We said it was going to be pretty you know biblical, and it, it certainly was. So it, it's unfortunate for the girls, but you know dust yourselves off. And um, turn out next week, just like our Tasha Gale girls, who got hammered, you know, three, four weeks in a row, and are now put together, you know, a few wins or two wins. Exactly. So as Forty just touched on, um, great segue. Uh, segue King, baby. Week on week, improving week on week, and um, finding the positives in those losses. Um, sees the Tasha Gales with their second win of the season, uh, 22 to the Dogs 12, with tries to Cameron. Talo and two to Kennedy. So um, great result for the girls. That's two wins we got, now. Uh, we got to see front. some of this game. We got to see yes. some of this game. Finally got to see some of the game. So we can actually we can actually throw some comments in. Yes. <laughs> um, I was down there a little bit earlier than 40, right. but uh, I think it was number 10, Nicole Kennedy. Uh, she defended well. Um well, who else had it? You know, for that, you could tell how excited they were um, and how nervous they were going into the final few minutes because there was a lot of there was a lot of drop ball um, and a lot of forced passes that weren't needed. But um, no, they did very well. Um, 
very happy for the girls to get their win. You could see the parents were too. They were absolutely excited. Yeah, there, there was a really parochial element in the crowd for the um the girls game. That it was really nice to see. Obviously, it was family and friends, but they for the Belmore Stadium, it was a pretty nice turnout for the Tasha Gow. And I'll say this, based on the little I've seen uh, of the, the Tasha Gow this year, which which is admittedly only a little, that was probably the most expansive I've seen them play. And maybe it's because they're playing a team that is better suited to their level of talent as it stands. But, you know, they were moving the ball around. They were um, defending pretty nicely. And, you know, it was just good football um, fundamentally for the most part. So that, that was a really nice win. And congratulations to the girls for going back-to-back there. Keep building, girls. Now, on to our podcast. First bit of breaking news while we are on um, recording. Uh, Sam Burgess found guilty of a grade one dangerous oh, contact for that you, elbow in his You had me panicking, you prick. Yeah, I thought it was going to be something oh against that. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but oh. I was just going to touch on that, that. And, you know, call us bias, call us whatever. I'm one eyed. I'll admit it. Um, but Russell Packer, the exact same contact, led with an elbow and saw Kayser knocked out, um, yet not charged at all. Sam Burgess with the exact same play to uh, Josh Morris, I think it was, and misses two weeks. So, um, you know, the level of inconsistency, it's its pathetic at the moment. Um, and that, that that is the single biggest gripe that fans often have with the NRL, isn't it? Is that it's not that there's a particular interpretation that's bad or that there's, you know, the the game is doing something awfully. It's that on a game to game, week to week basis, you're seeing vast inconsistencies in how the rules are being handled. And I understand that different refs are going to call things differently, but when it when it comes to foul play and when it comes to how teams are policed offside, like just just measure the teams by the same yardstick, please. You know, don't don't ref one team one way and another team the other way. That that's all you want. Wasn't wasn't there a new rule uh, regarding the video referee can rule on foul play? And you can you just... can bin you can bin on foul play at the referee's discretion, which I highlighted as a potential red flag down the path when we were talking about it in the podcast. It was one of the rule changes I didn't like because it was far too open to discretion and inconsistency, which as we just talked about is one of the biggest issues plaguing the NRL. But admittedly, it has it hasn't reared its head yet to my knowledge, has it? No one's been binned for foul play. No, not as yet. Yeah, not as yet. So, yeah. That's one to jot down as a little cliff note for a future podcast to talk about when it does finally um, rear its head in the game. Excuse me. Here you go. Although we are having a season of first with Cameron Smith having his first sin bin in that fiery affair between yeah. Sharks and Storm. Um, Bronx yes. cheer, thank you. <laughs> Everybody celebrate. Um, now, final thoughts on, on first sorry. grade... Let, let me let me segue once from that Cam Smith thing, and this this isn't this isn't isolated to Cam Smith. This is every player sin binned. Can we do something about the walking off and the the grandstanding and gamesmanship about getting off when you're being binned? Leave the field. Well, it was to, to get an just, interchange. Just run, um, just run off. I can understand that, and it didn't really bother me. Um, Sharks definitely got in their headspace and um, completely um, mentally broke them down after a team that's been so tough. But we're not going to talk about those matches because we don't really care um, unless they're playing the Eels. Um, Last thoughts on the Eels. Um, Talking about hookers, uh, Kayser, I thought uh, zero metres from zero runs. um, He had had one run, didn't he? The one that should have got a penalty. From I remember him taking one run. I'm adamant in the first half he ran one. He took one run. It was a fast play of the ball. Oh, no, you're right, you are right, you are the, right. And he came out and there was a marker not square, yeah. plus another player offside, but yes. 
yes, that that was that was the only positive I remember from Kaze's game. I I don't want to be you know knocking the guy after he got knocked out, but you know he he didn't you know exactly come in and take the job from Cameron King on a on a form basis. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much more to touch on other than the boys uh, mentally tougher. Um, yeah, Fix run straight, run straight, tackle hard, kick long, and give you, the give rest will sort itself out. Give yourself a chance of winning by getting it's possession. That simple. Somewhere near equal. <sighs> it's just so simple, but um, obviously translating talk oh, into uh, action is the that, the that is one of most part. one of the most fascinating things about sports. If you could bottle confidence and you could coach that into a team, you're going to be a cha- like a championship caliber team almost no matter what like your actual playing level of talent is. And the, we had it in 2017. We had it in 2016 when the world not world was out to get us, but when everything was falling apart due to the actions of you know awful administration. We we came together and you know had a 13 win season against all odds. And you know just for whatever reason it, it's. It's in our fingertips, you know, it's like trying to catch water. It's in our fingertips just slipping through. And, you know, you're, you're trying to cup it and catch it and drink it. And you, just, you need that one mouthful and you're going to get right. And I, I know that I've been really critical of the team and the club today. But you, just, you need that one win. You need, need that bounce of the ball, that referee to put his whistle away for that one set. You know, where you're hammering the opposition in their red zone and they're going to have to kick from 10 metres out. You know, that, that can be the difference. So you get that. You get that breakthrough win, and then maybe it just it sorts itself out. All right. Well, I think we'll leave it there for the wrap-up pod. Um, thanks from Birdie. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, so, yeah. 40 and Ham. And uh, we'll catch you on the preview pod, um, which should be out this Thursday or Friday. Thanks. See you later. See you, boys. Thank you.